Welcome to GM Mastermind, a tabletop RPG podcast that features a panel of game masters known as the Brain Trust. In this episode, we will be discussing Session Zero. Introducing the Brain Trust for the episode. Jared Rasher. GMing for over 33 years, he writes reviews for Gnome Stew and his blog, WhatDoIKnowJR.com, with over 800 pages of content. The games he's GM the most include Dungeons & Dragons, Powered by the Apocalypse Games, and Cortex. Currently, he's playing D&D 5th Edition in Star Trek Adventures. You can find his writings on GnomeStew.com as well as his blog, WhatDoIKnowJR.com. Kimmy. She's not sure how long she's been game mastering. Something like 11 to 12 years. Her go-to games to run most often are Wild Talents and Masks. Currently, she's playing D&D, Starscape, and Powered by the Apocalypse games. She oversees Happy Jack's RPG Network at happyjacks.org, a community that produces RPG advice and actual plays of all different systems. You can find games she designs at goldenlassogames.com. Senda. Behind the screen for 10 years and current host of Pandas Talking Games, co-host of the five-year run of She's a Super Geek, and writer at gnomestew.com. Games she's run the most include Lasers and Feelings, to include her own personal hacks, All Out of Bubblegum, and One Last Job. She actually prefers to not run the same game twice. The most recent game she's playing includes Monster Hearts 2 and Cortex Prime. Be sure to check out Turning Point and Love and Justice on DriveThruRPG, and the latter is also on itch.io. And I'm Sean, host of the show. Having a 15-year break from RPGs, I've been GMing on and off since 2003. Some of my favorite RPGs to GM include Delta Green, Forbidden Lands, and FFG's Star Wars. I've been gaming for a long time. Now, on to the episode. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us, Jared, Kimmy, and Senda. How are all of you? Great. Excited to be here. Hey. Very much so. <laughs> we are here to talk about Session Zero. Um, and you know, I've run into, I don't know if you've run into, uh, individuals in the gaming sphere that, um, they either don't do session zero or they don't believe in session zero, which is strange to me because I think if you say, Hey, can we game on Thursday? It could be considered a session zero, even though it's very condensed. Would you, would you agree, Kimmy? Yeah, um, it, it can be very condensed. And I have, as you said, met people who were like philosophically against session zeros, which just seems very strange to me. Um, and people just think it's not necessary. But spoilers, I, I disagree with those people. <laughs> That's OK. So is it this would be strange to have you on the show, but I have to ask. Do each one of you do a session zero when you're going to kick off a game? No, Sean, I was really surprised you called me to be yeah. on now. Yes, I do. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> do, do any of you know what session zero is? No. Um. <laughs> I mean, that may not be a bad place to start because it's possible that people are listening to this who may not know what session zero is because it is 
an element that is a newer kind of addition to the gaming hobby and something that's sort of starting to become a, a thing that is kind of across the board, but there's still people who may not know what it is. Senda, do you want to enlighten us? Yeah, your, your, sure. Your so definition of session zero? My my personal definition, which is going to inform probably a lot of uh, <laughs> the understanding then of what my session, my personal session zeros look like, right? Um, but session zero is essentially the session before you actually sit down to play the game um, that usually encompasses things like your discussion of maybe what you want to play or how you're going to schedule the game. Um, character creation is frequently involved. Um, for me at my table, it's also a discussion of like safety and what safety mechanisms we want to use for the game and also potentially employing those for stuff that we want to um, discuss before the game, specifically lines and veils, if you're familiar with that one, um, is usually a session zero thing for me. Um, yeah, I think that's, I'm trying to remember what else I usually talk about during session zero, but that, I think that covers broadly, you know, what we're, what we'd really be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think and, so. Did I miss anything? There's a lot of years of GMing at this table, so. I think uh, session zero is like, it, it's basically all the agreements that you think are important. Um, like you said, you, you kind of went through a list of a lot of the ones that are really important. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about is uh, basic agreements about scheduling, which I always like to make sure that is included as well. Um, you know, okay, we've got, you know, five people playing, how many, you know, if two people can't make it, is that when we call it? Like, so that way we have a set understanding of basic things like that too. Um, as you said, like safety tools are super important, discussing which ones you're gonna use and then how, like you said, how they're gonna be implemented. Like when someone taps the X card, okay, what is gonna be our norm for how we react to that? Do you know, do is does that person say something? So that way everybody knows what to do the first time it's used if they've never, you know, used it in a, in this particular group before, because different groups have different play culture with what to do with different safety tools as well. Um, and then yeah, lines and veils is absolutely a must for every for every session zero. And for those of you who may not know, uh, lines and veils, uh, like she was just talking about, um, is a safety tool basically you uh agree what's going to be a line like okay this absolutely these are the things that will not be in our story together so for me personally you know anything that with like child harm or endangerment as kind of a new mom like stresses me out and makes everything not fun like immediately so that's a line for me right now while veils are more like you know like a pg movie like fade to black like okay you know they're getting it on but we kind of pan away to the blowing curtains moment what are they getting on what so yeah so it's in the story but not like explicit one of the things that i've been um and i never used to have good session zeros even though i tried to have them and then i started realizing that i need to outline them the same way that i do a regular session so that i'm saying we have to hit this 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 and this before we leave and um one of the things that i've been adding in is going over um what the tone and what type of campaign it's going to be because even even in a somewhat narrow game sometimes people have different ideas like for example if you're playing a star wars game you a lot of people think that they know what you're talking about but at the same time i'd rather sit down and say we're going to play age of rebellion and i want it to feel like rogue one versus rebels you know you just you just have that idea of 
what level of grittiness and how, you know, how nasty things are going to get and, you know, that type of thing, just so that everybody's expectation is in the same place. I think you actually just said a really key word, which is expectation, right? So if we were just to encompass everything that we all just said, what we're really talking about is session zero is how you set the expectations for the entire campaign that is to follow, right? That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> That's like the the definition right there. Like in the book, right, you look we it found up. It. We, you, nice. That was beautiful. Beautiful, <laughs> succinct, and lovely. We got there. <laughs> can we can we agree that a session zero increases the chances of a successful game or campaign in RPGs? Yes. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually found like a, a lot of people have the idea or a lot of people who aren't used to session zeros or are against them think it's because people in the game are afraid of pushing boundaries. But I've actually found that games I've run and been a part of where everyone felt safe and in control because of the use of safety tools and because of a very clear session zero setting expectations that we actually were able to push the envelope on those games a lot further and do take a lot more chances and do more daring and out there things because everyone felt safe in doing so because everybody knew, okay, this, this is what our lines and fails are. This is what we're going to do. This is the tone of the game. We all are like right in there. So actually it's one of the cases of having very clear boundaries lets you have a lot more fun in those boundaries. But Kimmy, I've known my group for 20 years. <laughs> All right. No. So here's <laughs> no, the thing about that. I though. haven't known him for 20 right? years. I mean, you do. You did. That's fine. That's great. But the thing I think that we don't always talk about when that's the reaction, because I have to admit to you, my particular group um, does not always do an entire session zero anymore because we've been playing together for um, about six years now, I think. Which is nothing on your 20, whatever. But it's long <laughs> enough and consistent enough that there are certain expectations that we carry through game over game, right? So we don't necessarily have to talk about them again because we've already talked about them. But the key is that we did talk about them, yeah. right? So we don't have to rediscuss how we're going to use safety tools. Sometimes we talk about which ones we're going to use because in a different game we might, like there are certain ones that are always in use, but in you know a specific game there might be an additional one or a twist on the one that we usually do or whatever. But um, there are assumptions that we can all now walk in with about the kind of game that we're going to play. We all know the schedule. It is regular. It always happens. We know what happens when people don't show up. Um, you know, we know where we're going to play. We know what happens if someone gets COVID and we have to play online, right? Like we've already solved for all this stuff. And we actually play um, a ton of different games. So we usually play short campaigns. And what that means is we're starting new games with some level of regularity, depending on how frequently we can get enough people to play the actual game. Monster Hearts 2, we started Halloween of last year. We are like, yeah, whatever. We'll finish it by January. And it is June. <laughs> so, like, we haven't. And that's okay. But we usually turn over new games, um, I would say, about every three to six months. And we don't have a full session zero like I would have with a new group every time we do that because we have those understandings. So I think there's actually a thing where playing with people for a long period of time 
just means that you already have shared expectations and you don't necessarily have to go over those again if you are all confident that you are truly sharing those expectations, right? But even having said that, we always talk about, um, as Kimmy was saying, the lines and veils, we always talk about hard lines and veils for each specific game because while some of them like child harm or like, you know, sexual assault, like that kind of stuff for me, that crosses genres, it doesn't matter. But sometimes you were walking into a horror game and you have different expectations as a table about what might come up for that game versus everything else, right? So there are things that we address on a game-by-game basis and things that are kind of already addressed at the group level um, that we don't necessarily feel the need to talk about in detail again unless something changes. And I think that's the other key part is like it's your opportunity to make sure that you're having the conversation in case anything has changed, but you still have to build characters and stuff. So you're still going to just sit down and have a session zero, right? It's just the shape of it might change depending on um, who you're sitting down with. One of the things that I also think is interesting about session zero is um, I'm sort of stereotypically known as a one-shot GM because of She's a Super Geek and obsessively running games at conventions um, and being really fascinated by um, how we can create like the short form versions of role playing games that I don't have to commit to five years of, you know, every Friday <laughs> night or whatever it is. Um, and we don't always talk about session zero in terms of shorter play, but we still do it, right? Because when you come sit down at my table at a convention and I talk you through what the game is, what the tone of the game is, how to make a character, and we talk through the safety tools, we just did like the 15, 20 minute version of a session zero, which is appropriately scaled to the time frame in which we are playing, right? So I think a lot of times we actually, even people who don't think they're doing session zeros, they are kind of, mm-hmm. they might not be <laughs> formal, right? But there's important stuff there. I was going to share, um, have a very personal story where this didn't happen and I was the person affected. Like you were just saying, sometimes things change. And um, I had a first responder situation to a car accident at my my place of work a couple of years ago. Um, I'm uh, At the time, I was an admin in a school and we had a student and her mother who were hit by a car out in the front. Um, and it was really emotional day. The mother ended up passing away and I spent the day at the hospital with the child while we were waiting for her to get in, you know, in touch, trying to get the rest of her relatives there, someone to take charge of her. I was her guardian for the day, basically. Um, and that weekend I had a game convention. It was like four days later. And I was so excited to go to game convention, kind of get away, obviously. Like I hadn't really processed what had happened. And I was playing in a game with uh, like friends of mine, like our friendship is old enough to drink. Like we've been playing games for so long. And it was one of those things where we didn't think about it and we didn't do a session zero before a con game. And at one point there was like an NPC kid who wasn't even like the focus of the scene. And this NPC kid was like, you know, there's a crowd and the NPC kid was like, mama, mama, like looking for her mom. And I just like, it just like, I lost it. Like I wasn't even like the focus. I hadn't even really thought about it. And it was one of those moments, like looking back now, like if we'd done a quick session zero, like, I would probably would have processed that. I hadn't even processed it enough to really talk about it with my friends and like tell them it had happened that week. So it, it can be so important, even at like a quick con game where you're like, oh, it's like a, you know, a kind of a, a set story. I know what's happening. Like just touching base and being like, hey, where is everybody this week? If it's a gate, if it's a group, you know, really well, any big things happen that we should like be aware of, like while we're doing this, because sometimes 
players come to the table and they don't even realize they're going to be affected by something. But if you, as the GM, just kind of like, hey, and any any heads up on anything new, then they're like, oh, oh, I should probably say this. So yeah, just just checking in is so important, like you were just saying. Jared, we've talked about um, how important it is, obviously, and the the tools that come with it. And I think there's a lot of criteria that can go into a session zero. What would you say is the minimum to cover in a session zero? Oh, um, let's see. I have my, my bullet points of things that I want to take away by the time I'm done with session zero. So it's like, I want to know what the players don't want in a game. Um, I want to make sure that the players know what tools are available, whether that's um, safety tools or what we're actually going to be using as far as like supplements, things like that. Um, I want to make sure we get character concepts nailed down. I usually am not that concerned about having hard and fast statistics for every character by the end of a session zero. I just want to know, like, if you're going to be an elf ranger, let me know you're going to be an elf ranger. That's all I'm really worried about there. And then, um, pro and just have a clear idea of what the game's going to feel like. I have to jump in because I realized something about how I run games and the games that I've been playing a lot recently, as you, as you stated in the intro, um, which is that character creation for me is like not a long process, right? <laughs> because usually there's like a playbook involved or something. So we all just sit down and you circle some things and you write down three numbers and like, you're good. So why wouldn't you do that all together and then just build the relationships, right? But like, yeah. If you're talking about a much longer process, if you are crunching down modifiers and stuff like that and making a bunch of decisions about your feats that are going to impact you for the next however many levels, yeah, like some of that detail work mm, is not necessarily fun to do as a group because it's just passing a book around for a long time, right? So I just realized I, I have this preset notion in my head of what that looks like just because of what I've been doing recently. <laughs> <laughs> I had to call that out because I kept saying it. That's a good point, though. Do we do we think session zero is always the same? Do we get into a into our own zone? If I'm going to be running a, a PBTA game, I do kind of expect us to have all of our characters done by the end of that session, right? Because why wouldn't you? <laughs> sure. The the Star Trek game that I'm running, even though I normally don't want to necessarily force somebody to go through a long, you know, uh, character creation process we did in star trek because it has a life path system and i did want to make sure that everybody was going through that life path system and getting an idea of who their character was before the campaign started so in that case we did take more time out and go through all of those steps it makes perfect sense i think there's something to be said for um to some extent the mechanics of the game itself that you're playing will probably have an effect on what ends up being in your session zero, whether that's because session zero is like wrapped up in the game because you just grabbed for the queen and you're just going to like, you know, play it out. Um, and you're like literally reading the session zero prompts off the cards as you pass it around. Or if that means that you're sitting down to something that has a much more complex rule system that you're like, cool, we want to make sure we understand how we're all going to be interconnected, but like go figure out the deets on your own kind of situation. Like that kind of stuff is going to have an effect and it makes sense that it would um, as long as it means that you've had the time to communicate. And again, set the expectations. 
that word is a good word, expectations. <laughs> are there games, you mentioned one that I'm not wholly familiar with, but are there games with like built-in session zeros? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say there are. Um, and now I'm trying to think of more. Can you, you have one? Because I saw you start. <laughs> I mean, shameless self-promotion, but the game I'm writing right now, Starscape, actually has it built in. <laughs> Uh, as part of um, like it, it's a obviously Starship. It's a sci-fi space game. You pick. You start off by you know picking what kind of story you're going to tell, whether it's space opera or space western or utopian exploration or whatever. You build what kind of crew, and part of it is uh, like okay, if this was you know a, a movie, what would it be rated? So that's a, one of the questions that is actually built into the story as you go too. So everyone has that expectation. Um, and I think that's that's really important. And I have seen similar questions to that. Um, n they haven't quite been as um, explicitly stated in other systems. Um, you mentioned For the Queen. It does have those in there. A couple p different PBTA games have similar things in there where it sets the expectations for what it's going to be. A lot of them simply tell you. They don't give you, like, the options to pick. So if you're playing, um, like, Apocalypse World or something like that, it's like, this is the type of game this is, you know. And uh, so so <laughs> a lot of times it. it's there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, it, if you want this game, it's this. Um, I know that um, I Hunt is very specific about that. It's like, this is the mm -hmm. type of game it is. Take it or leave it. Yeah. That, <laughs> I'm feeling really silly right now because you said I'm writing a game right now, and I said to myself, <laughs> "I wrote a game like that." I was like, "Wait, Sunday? So, isn't there a game so, that you like, might have been involved on. with?" <laughs> Senda found like, a game that oh has a session zero. That apparently. Well, no, actually, what I was going to say is we haven't finished writing the entire book, right? But the quick start version of Turning Point that is on Drive Through right now. Um, it's a quick start of the rules, but it is also literally a script that you can. Like you could sit down and read from it at the table and it walks you through everything from through what I would consider the session zero, right? Setup of the game, which includes all the character parts and the safety stuff um, and all of the investment in the game and level setting. Um, so that's all kind of in the script of the quick start and then get into the game. Um, and we wrote it in there for a reason, right? Because it's important and because um, Turning Point has the potential to be a very emotional game depending on how you play it. So it's super important that everybody is like, A, on the same page, B, understands the lines and veils in the situation, C, understands how to um, back away from a situation that they discover because the um, X card or, so, you know, another tool along those lines is an, an in in during play way to revoke consent versus a way to set boundaries initially. Um, so some form of consent revoking tool. I think that when you are, I'm going to put on the designer hat for a second <laughs> and see if Kimmy agrees with me. Um, when you are writing a game that um, is trying to create a very specific style of play, then it's worth it to write in um, how you kind of get there, right? And some of that is about guiding what a session zero would look like to make sure that people have the conversations that you as the designer think are important to achieve that purpose. I think uh, 
that 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 is right on and especially like the looking at games as a designer too if you kind of look at the progression it's really telling about how much a good session zero can improve play because we've gone from a place where nobody no, no books mentioned it and some people were kind of doing it on their own to a place where almost universally even the big books kind of mention session zero or at least like uh pre-game agreements is another th thing they kind of like officially call them and like D, D and a couple of the other books to now we've moved on even from just mentioning session zero to it actually being written into the games themselves so there's been this progression over like the last like 10 years that that just shows like okay people designers even are realizing how much better their game can play if it has set expectations like that. So it's becoming more and more a vital component of games rather than something you can kind of do or not. I think it's, uh, I, I was running an experiment to find out for every failure of a game, why, and then was it covered in session zero? And if it was, okay, you know, sometimes it happens, it happens, right? You know, yep, I'm on board game hits the table. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. But you said you were on board. So it falls apart regardless. But there's so many of those instances that comes up. Um, I put it out to a poll, some of the, some of the listeners of the show and, and what they want to include in a session zero um, or think that's important in a session zero. And we mentioned safety tools, um, the, you know, expectations that covers like Every, like umbrella, right? But some of the nuances, obviously, is going to be dependent on the game you're playing, which has been brought up. Um, has anybody used the cats method? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You want to explain that? I Senna? haven't actually run a game where I've used the cats method. I just <laughs> need to play with people who use cats. So now you're going to put me on the spot to try and remember what it means. We could get Jared. Do you know what it is? No, not offhand. Okay. I, have, I didn't study for this podcast. For, uh, <laughs> concept? I'll give concept. You there we go. Yeah. yeah. And then A stands for something else. Aim. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the T stands for tone. I remember that. Um, and the S stands for another thing. <laughs> Subject matter. Yeah. Look at that. See? <laughs> I remembered one out of four. I'm feeling good about my night. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> but cats is a, a good one. And so talking about some of the resources of, you know, obviously listen to the show and the podcast and, and everybody else's respected blog or, or actual plays or podcasts, but what other resources are out there to give you more details on, on session zero? Do you have any ones that you've got in your back pocket that tend to because some of us, we we have our own, of course, and I'll, I'll put one out there. The Gauntlet, if you've ever been to their resources page, the Gauntlet Network, they do a lot of actual plays and they do a lot of community play involvement. Set is nodding her head, very familiar. But <laughs> their lines and veils, have you seen the list that they have? I Not mean, recently. It's, oh, it, it's, it was long the last time I saw it, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was, you know, I think we know, like, like, here's the standard five, you know, that I'll always hit. And then I read that list and go, yeah, okay, right. Didn't think about alcoholism or, you know, things of that nature that could be, you know, tricky for some arachnophobia, things of that nature. But that's where I found, and I think, well, I've got some contacts of mine that had turned me on to cats 
and that's where it's used to. Some mention the kind of game, the allowable characters, serious or pretzel and beer game. Or so that comes into the tone, I think. Differences from the standard game, which I think Senda, you mentioned, right? The different, like the rule set, or maybe it might have been Kimmy. No, um, I think it might have been Jared. Might have been Jared. <laughs> Jared. Let's give Jared some credit here. Maybe Jared. Jared, you said that, didn't you? <laughs> He was he was talking about the splat books. That's like, that? but that's the home rules, right? The house rules yeah. for even some of yeah. those older school games that are like, here's like bare bones, and then oh by the way, here's all the tweaks that I've made, and then the duration, like how long is a session? How long is the game? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what if you do? What do you do if a GM can't make it? Do you include mm-hmm. that in the session zero? What's often missed, Jared? Length of campaign. Think that's the number one that's missed? I think so. Why? And I will, I, that one, I would like to throw that one out to uh, Phil because that was in uh, Never Unprepared that I first read that as a, uh, as something that you should be thinking about. And ever since I read that in there, it's like, yeah, we should really go over how long we expect this game to last. He's talking about and- Phil Vecchione from Misdirected Mark and. I don't know, Panda's Talking Games. Panda's Talking Games, that one, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and noted uh, um, definer of words. Yeah. Yes. But that's the big one, duration, huh? I I honestly, I think so. Because none of us know when it's going to end. We don't know. Never. Well, and that's that thing, like when, you know, not not to assume something here, Sean, but, you know, like when we were younger, this thought process is we're going to run this campaign forever. Forever. And that's, no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I totally did not ever finish that three-year campaign that I played in college. Like that definitely did not come to an end. (laughs) Or it comes to an end abruptly. Right. Like, it came to an unsatisfying end because it was Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil and we didn't finish it. <laughs> so you're saying you didn't return to the Temple of Well, we returned. <laughs> but then there was like, you know, college social stuff and it imploded. You know, but sad. But if we had said we're going to play this for six months, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't say that college social stuff still wouldn't have imploded the game right like that that's a weird time of your life (laughs) things are gonna happen um but you know i think it's more important as an adult and a parent now it is difficult for me to say to you i will commit every monday night of my life for an indeterminate amount of time that requires, you know, a certain amount of finagling and like making sure that children are fed and you know, blah, 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 right? Like it takes Not work. Not hitting up Senda for my next game, obviously. <laughs> well, it takes work, right? But, but if you tell me, I want this campaign to be eight sessions and we're going to play for a couple hours at a time, that is something that I can within like that informed consent say yes that this is a thing that i can do or no this is not going to work with my life and then you don't get to like oh my gosh we're eight sessions in and like i cannot manage this timing time frame can't get home fast enough like whatever it is and then like someone drops out because they couldn't manage the scheduling right so i actually think 
<laughs> the more weird and wild your life gets, the more important it is that people are really clear and upfront with the timing expectations and like approximate length of cap campaign because it's a, just a really different prospect to say, yeah, I'm on for this for two months versus like, I'm on for this for the next five years. Goodbye vacations because I can never leave because I can't be in a town for a week or whatever, you know. Not that you would commit to that level, hopefully, but, you know. Kimmy, have you ever brought up Session Zero up again for the same game? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I actually am a big fan of debriefs at the end of each game. Um, and I think that should definitely be part of something you agree on in Session Zero, whether you use um like some people do like roses and thorns where you're like okay these are good things and things i don't i prefer stars and wishes um it's got a very fluffy name but basically it, as a gm too it's a fantastic tool to like guide you and what you should do in the next session in addition to letting the players be heard so basically like stars are like oh hey these are the moments i really loved and wishes it's like oh, i really wish maybe we could do more of this and as a gm that's like gold right there in addition to like making there be crystal clear communication at the table you're like they want to do more of this okay well that's where the half my planning for the next session is done i no longer have to stress out about my planning because i know they're already wanting to do this so fight, it's fight, just fight 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 we just yeah. want to fight fight <laughs> and that might be it totally and that yeah. could be it and um yeah and it just like chef's kiss like it's just a fantastic and fa fantastic tool that you can agree on in session zero like the format of how you're going to debrief at the end of each session and it's just it's like a nice little cap at the end of each at the end of each gaming session you're like okay and now we know we're all done and we're moving on to the next thing i actually love stars and wishes i used to use roses and thorns um, the thing about Roses and Thorns is it's a little bit more like, here's this amazing thing and here's this stabby thing that I didn't like. And um, Stars and Wishes are a lot more like, here's a thing that I like and here's a thing I would be excited if you gave me more of. And in terms of feedback as a GM, I just love it. So if you haven't heard about Stars and Wishes, I love that it's fluffier because I think yeah. that it's like friendlier feedback. That's just a total side note. <laughs> so I had an instance where I actually did two session zeros for the same campaign mm -hmm. because we got together, we started talking about the campaign. I said, is everybody on board with this? Is this what we really want to do? And like four out of five people were on board with it. And one person, especially towards the end, started asking a whole lot of questions and I, no, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'll play whatever anybody else wants to do. So I was like, no, we're going to do this again. We're going to start over, and I want you to be honest, because if you're not enthusiastic about this, I don't want four-fifths of the people being excited and one person just, you know, not. <laughs> yeah, and as a GM, like, having that sense of, like, okay, this person feels like they're being drug along, you know, <laughs> by their, by their like, nose hairs, like, they're not going to enjoy this, um, is really important, because so often at a table there is kind of someone who doesn't want to cause a fuss and doesn't want or someone who's new at the table and just is like oh whatever you the rest of you want to do i'm i'm good with that and as a gm you have to make sure that they're being heard and that they are empowered to do that um whether you're like a lot of my pre-game session zero stuff like lines and veils for example i do it on an online forum and google docs um so i can send an anonymous link to everybody so everybody fills out what they want and nobody has to feel like oh everyone's gonna see my name next to this 
and wonder why that's aligned. So it's it's all anonymous and everyone can just feel totally free to 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 just be their true self and really put down what they they don't want to have in their game. And and some of that can be done like that, but that you've just as a GM, like all you listening out there have that same sense like in the story he just told and like just like sense okay this person's not really contributing they're just like kind of agreeing and no no and like really like make sure that they're actually okay with it not just not wanting to cause a fuss and that brings up a good point and you kind of touched on it kimmy is it important to do session zero face to face or can you do it virtually and have the same effect either way I mean, some of us have no choice. A lot of us are only gaming virtually now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are elements that can be done virtually. I prefer to do it in person. I try and do as much of my in, my gaming in person as possible. Um, it's easier to read somebody that way. It's like, okay, are, are they are they like zoned out reading as something else in Zoom? Like, are they just bored and like reading Wikipedia? Or are they like uncomfortable and just trying to like decide? Like, it's hard to tell sometimes when you're online gaming. Um, so I prefer to do session zero in person if I can with elements like what I was just saying that are sent ahead of time. So I'll usually send a lines and veils document um, like before session zero so that it's all filled out. When we come into session zero so I can kind of discuss it and make clear with everyone like, okay, these are the lines, these are the veils. Um, sometimes, I'll, and I'll keep it open so if people like after session zero want to add more things to that. And that's actually one of the things I go over every session is, hey, lines and veils are the same or, oh, hey, this week lines and veils, this has been added. Like, no cat throw up or whatever it is. And um, (laughs) (laughs) totally very specific example. Sorry. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and so, so, cause it can switch and change as a campaign goes. So combination is generally what I do if you can do it in person. But again, like a lot of us have moved completely to online gaming now. So it's kind of a, a new thing. So just make sure that you're being able to read people, at least visually, whatever medium you're using. And that Stars and Wishes is interesting because I don't know if all of you do this. Uh, I'm in a couple games and we've we've kind of done it, you know, in a debrief, obviously, like Kimmy mentioned earlier, where we just say, okay, hey, go to Discord. Let me know your Stars and Wishes. Sure, no problem. But if you read how that uh, where it's originated, which is derived from roses and thorns, like Senda mentioned, you're supposed to do it like right after the game, everybody face to face, and it goes in a particular order, right? Yeah. Are you guys on one side of the fence or the other with stars and wishes in that regard? Um, it's interesting. Uh, really, really, how I use it when I actually engage it is a semi-formalized way to make sure that I'm getting feedback. Because I think that a lot of times when you say, hey, guys, what did you think? Did you have fun? Right. You'll just get. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, And so doing something like Stars and Wishes or however, I mean, it is one tool for formalizing a way to get um, feedback that is going to be a little bit more (laughs) informational. That's the word that's trying to come out of me than just, yeah, yeah, it was great. I loved it. Or, oh, yeah, it was a pretty good session, right? Like, those things as a GM aren't enough to necessarily um, guide you really well down a path. Um, But having having a structure, which, so this is funny, because we started with, with session zero, really, but 
we keep starting to traipse off into like other tools that I then really want to talk about. Like we could get into <laughs> such a conversation about safety tools and how safety tools should be updated ongoing and all of this stuff, right? But I'm like, okay, no, no, session zero. Um, <laughs> but I think if you will allow me to like just rope it all together, um, <laughs> again, because stars and wishes I like for formalizing feedback in the same way that session zero formalizes the conversation that we have to have before we start playing, right? And so, and and then gives us the tools in the session zero to say, and here's how we will formalize the other things we want to see during the game, like feedback or like how safety works, um, or even like if someone's not there. It's a way to have the discussion and say, these are the expectations, but we're formalizing how this works. And sometimes that can even be things that are like, um, you know, everybody comes in, we're all eating dinner or whatever, and we're like messing around, like, how do you formalize the start of a game? Because that could be something you could talk about in session zero too, um, if that's a thing that you want to formalize or like you've played with this group for forever and like they like to get really chatty over dinner and then you're like, oh man, we only have an hour left to play now or something, right? <laughs> like you could say, we start this game at seven or we start this game, you know, as in my game, it's you're not late unless you get there after a certain person who's always the latest one. He has the farthest to drive and the job that is most likely to go long. As long as you make it here before Brett, you're on time. And that is like a tongue in cheek <laughs> thing but there's also a formalization, right? That like, if we know Brett's coming, we're not going to start playing till he walks in the door. When he walks in the door, we are now on the countdown to like just get everything ready and actually start playing. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's not a specific time. And it's something that evolved. So it's not something we talked about in session zero, but boy, it's something we could have and maybe should have talked about in session zero. But it is now an expectation for my group. And it would be weird if it changed. <laughs> we haven't used the two words social contract somehow i have been talking about social contracts a bunch without actually saying the word social contract we can say social contract we could say table culture we can start saying all of these like fair <laughs> there's a bunch of sort of words um, that we tend to throw around for this stuff yeah, yeah. I don't know if they actually help anyone further understand or define what we're actually talking about, which is, I think, why I haven't actually used them. Because in the same way that this happens very frequently, I think a lot of the times when someone says social contract or table culture, we all have an individualized understanding of what that means. And um, depending on which kind of games and which kind of game circles you move in, that's probably reasonably standardized across like little sets of people. But if we start talking across like gamers as a whole, I think that our definitions for that kind of thing can vary pretty widely. So if we want to start talking about them, we have to start saying like, <laughs> this is exactly what I mean, right? When I say this. Anyway, that that is another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should just start taking notes for future topics. I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, I'm just going to call you, Senda, and just say, hey, I'm kind of dry here. Uh, can you just kind of start throwing out a few things, like what you're thinking, and so I can write them down? Right. I don't think that would be a bad bad take. Right. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, but it is a social contract. <laughs> well, and I think with in going off of what you're saying, we uh, – how do I put this? There are folks that I play with that don't – they're not – they're not plugged in as much as as some of us. And I say plugged in as, you know, they don't get online. They, 
they're the home group. They show up weekly. They're going to play the game. Most of us have maybe been with each other for quite some time. They're not interested in the authors or the designer scene or or a lot of this. So when you talk about that, having session zero, which is interesting, maybe you don't even say that that's what that is, right? Or the what's a social contract? Like this, we're going to talk about these things because it makes this it makes up the social contract. But I don't need to get into that. Friends of mine might look at me cross-eyed and say, what in the hell are you talking about? What? I'm not signing anything you're putting down. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, because then they will – people will sometimes, uh, especially if you've been playing for a while, people can be like, why are you formalizing this, like, all of a sudden? Like, why did this get all, like – office? Like, why am I at work and we have specific lanes now instead of, like, you know, just chilling? I just want to chill and relax. I, I think the terminology, though, sometimes it's it's helpful to have the terminology evolve for people like probably most of us here so that we know what we want to go look at and read more about when we want to learn more about how social culture or social contracts uh, intersect with gaming. But that, like you said, that's not necessarily the people that it will affect it's a certain sub subsection of people that really want to dig into things. And, you know, it helps to have that keyword to zero in on what you want to read about or consume as far as that. And by the way, if you want to look at, uh, uh, articles on social contracts, you should go to gnomes too, because I'm pretty sure you can find a few right there. That, yeah. <laughs> that discuss the topic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a couple. <laughs> with you two on here and Angela having been on the first one, there's going to be plenty of gnome stew to go around. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, I was going to bring up one other thing though, that I like to do and in session zero, which I didn't used to do, but it has worked out so well for me that I like doing it now. And that is having each player come up with a person in the setting that they know as a contact, you know, that's a friend or family member or something like that. And then having a place that they like to go to in the setting, because that immediately kind of gives me something to latch on to them with. Um, I don't know if somebody's going to read a book on Waterdeep and just love the awning portal, but if they tell me that they like this, uh, this, this halfling family owned diner that they came up with, I'm going to use that. And that's going to click with them. Yeah. You're going to get some buy-in, right? Right away, mm-hmm. some investment. Kimmy, have you have you tried anything special outside of, and maybe it's pertaining to a specific game that might be falling uh, in session zero? That's something like Jared mentioned. I designed a game that does that exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be That's good and not. Answer. I was not going to like pitch it. I was like going to be. Um, <laughs> run with it, Kimmy. Run. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I yes. can't. I'm not paying Kimmy, so this is her opportunity to. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how much shameless self promotion is allowed? Okay. Um, I actually think it's very important. So I actually designed a whole game based on that. Uh, it's called Decima, and it's meant to be played at a session zero or at least pre-game. Um, you come to the game with your your characters formed. Um, it can work with pretty much any session. And it does that exact thing that he was just talking about, where uh, you find the connections between the players, so there's no more, you meet in a tavern. It's You have, like, a backstory with each other, 
And then also with the world, so your community, your 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 play group has like a reputation and enemies and rivals and allies that you come up with together. And then you also have like location details that you build out, um, like NPCs and things like that. And it works. If you're using something like Waterdeep, it totally works fine with that. If you're making something whole cloth, you know, completely homebrewed, it works with that too. And I came up with that by mixing... I, I, me and a bunch of my friends before we were playing games were pulling cards from A Quiet Year, pulling connection questions from a couple of our favorite PBTAs, pulling uh, some other questions from another place. And it was just like this wild mishmash of all these things. And I was like, all right. One of us just needs to design a game that does all this so we don't have to make all these copies every time we start a new campaign. Um, because we loved all those things. And it does totally create buy-in. But the biggest thing is it actually saves time in that campaign. Because everyone... It makes it crystal clear what the tone is. So, it, like... Like, even more so than, like, my favorite method when I'm doing, like, convention games is, like, okay, let's agree on a TV show or a movie. Because that right there, like, everybody, you, as long as you make sure everybody's old enough to know the TV show, I know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but, like, actually, world building together really, like, sets the tone and everyone knows everything in that world and they kind of know the tone of the NPCs and it saves time because you don't have to like then explain like okay walking down the street and there's a tavern on the left they're like oh I know there's a tavern on the left because they made up the tavern um, but I think that's as far as session zero the most important piece there is world building together make sure you're all fully bought in into the world the tone and like we were saying the whole cat's agreements um, you know if somebody's like I'm gonna I, I, there's a torture chamber to the left you're like ah. Uh, no, no, no. And everyone has a chance to kind of like X that out or agree like or change it slightly. So when you start the campaign, if you've done that world building piece together in your session zero, like it's just crystal clear. Everybody knows exactly what's going to happen. Now, is that genre agnostic? It is. And even the cards like I, I'm going to be shameless again. Um, they're based on like shadow art so that they can be, uh, so they, they are very system agnostic. So you can, I've run, I, I, I've used it for Session Zero for a horror carnival um, set in the 1920s. I've used it for sci-fi games, fantasy games, obviously. Wild West games, I think, is the one that we did together, right? Yeah, it was Wild West urban fantasy. I think we had a vampire and a werewolf. Yes, we did. <laughs> Yeah. So nobody listening great. is going to be able to see this, but <laughs> no, <laughs> they're pretty, but they're beautiful. And Jared they was are. prepared and had his on hand and mine are across the room. So, you know, if that says anything, I, I played it and then immediately also backed it. Right. Thanks. I appreciate that. Golden lasso games.com. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, will, we will have links to everybody. Uh, so for sure. Absolutely. Now we're getting into like the tools, like actual physical tools, things that cards. Senda, have you used anything other than like the outline and, you know, some of the expectation pieces? But have you used like a tool specifically for session zero? I've used Decima, <laughs> okay. obviously. Sure. And um, I'm like, let me back up. If we're talking about tools like that, I've used Decima and I'm... I'm also very confident there's been more. Um, I actually have used, um, I, I didn't run this game personally, but we used Microscope to set up a game actually to bridge between a Tales from the Loop game and a Things from the Flood game to jump forward the 10 years to figure out what happened between those things. We used Microscope. It was, oh, mm, ah, chef's kiss. 
Um, gosh, we used the quiet year to accidentally do a session zero for a shortened game of Fall of Magic. That was really cool and accidental. The quiet year, I feel like, is a really cool way to set up settings. I realized that everything that I've mentioned besides Decima was never really meant to be a session zero. It is, in fact, games on its own. But because they create these artifacts of things like timelines and maps, they're really cool to springboard off of as a session zero tool <laughs> and uh, make some of that stuff fun. Can you explain a quiet year for those that have never heard of it and then mic- microscope briefly? Sure. So A Quiet Year is a game um, that is currently being distributed by Deernicorn, um, and it comes in this... I don't know why I'm describing the physicality of it, except that it's so cool, <laughs> right? It comes in this <laughs> tiny little burlap sack, and it's like a deck of cards and some skulls. And um, and it's essentially a map-making game where you draw cards um, to like build a, a community or society and then like see what happens. And like something is going to go wrong... And depending on who's at your table, it can go really wild. Um, the last game I played, um, I think we had a quiet little sort of medieval-esque sheep-shearing village and then discovered the crashed spaceship. So that was cool. <laughs> and at the end of the game, basically, you end up with an artifact, which is the map that you drew. Because for everything that happens, there is something on the map that represents that thing, right? So that's kind of the idea behind A Quiet Year. And the reason it can be used to lead into a game is because you end up with this really well-formed sort of idea of a place and the people who live or lived there. And you have a map of that location, right? Like, cool. Microscope is a game in which you basically create a timeline of events, And we used to really sort of, some of the rules were just sort of gone, broken down version, because we knew we were leading from specific thing to specific thing, right? But essentially, microscope, the idea is that you're, you have a a start point, and I think, do you have an end point when you start it? I can't remember. You're figuring out what happens along the way. You're literally just putting down like index cards that have events on them. Yeah, so like, that's cool too. Especially if you need to bridge, say, like we did, you stopped playing this campaign about a year ago. Now you're going to start up a new version of it over here. And you're like, wow, what happened to these kids for 10 years? As we get to the, you know, 90s instead of the 80s, you know, what happened? I don't know. Let's find out. We know the end point here. We know the start point of the game over here. And we know, you know, specific events that happened maybe in the middle. And then we start lining up the more personal stuff that happened to our characters in that timeline. And that was a really cool way to create the connection to even add someone new to the group in that particular scenario so that he started building investment. The rest of us were super involved. We loved this game. I wrote about it on Gnome Stew so much. Like, if you look at any of my Gnome Stew articles, there's a specific period of time where they were all about this this um, Tales from the Loop game. But, um, you know, so it was building, it was reminding those of us who had played before and rebuilding investment and then building investment and connecting in the new player who didn't have that previous experience and previous childhood trauma that our characters had already experienced and being like, how do we tie him into the game and make him care as much as we do, right? So it, it worked out really well in that scenario. That that's a I would call that almost a session point five because it was a session zero that was a bridge gap between, I don't know, it would be cool to have a different name for it. It was definitely functionally a session zero. But I've yeah. considered using Kingdom, which is another Ben Robbins yeah. game. I don't know that one. 
I wrote a review of that on Gnome Stew. You could find that review Ugh. if you... I'm s- <laughs> I feel guilty now that I haven't read it, Jerm. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible gnome. <laughs> yeah. So ben, Ben's, uh, ben Robbins has done Microscope as well as Kingdom, and Kingdom is mm. uh, a kingdom-building game, kind of a, a collaborative game group, gets together and puts the world together, essentially. And it is its own game, and it goes on from there. Uh, Kimmy's nodding her head. Have you played Kimmy? Have you played Kingdom? I have not, but I did watch some. I don't know where I found an actual play of it, but I watched it in like uh, my tons of research about like world building games like that. That was one of the things I have not gotten a chance to play with it. Play it though. Yeah, I was going to run it for Mothership, actually, mm-hmm. and it it fell kind of apart, and then. I, that was the first edition, and then second edition Ben has put out there, and I haven't mm. looked at that too in-depth yet, but I think it's an interesting take, and I think it could be pretty good in world-building. And there's probably tons more. There's backstory cards. I don't know if anybody's used that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. everybody- Before I got my Decima deck, I did use backstory cards for my uh, 7C game to uh, mm-hmm. build up some of the uh, connections and, and uh, NPCs in that game. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm going to jump in and mention one more game, and I don't think that it's a specific Session Zero tool, but I just played again recently the second edition of Fiasco, and I have to say that, like, if you're ever in, you, like, want to experience what a well-thought-through but also compressed Session Zero looks like, following through on those cards and the things that they thought about, like, that the back of the cards have names on them and that you just flip them over, like, oh, now I have a name, Right is a really fantastic experience and one that I would highly recommend. I just wanted to drop a couple like awesome tools for session zero that people, if they're listening, can can search up unless somebody else wanted to do that. One thing that I just really love, Monty Cook Games, if you just Google Monty Cook Games Consent and Gaming, they have free resources there um, that you can download. One of them is a fillable Lines and Veils like PDF which is great. You can just drop that online and then people can just go through and, and mark in there and check off the boxes. Um, so it tells like what th- the things they're very comfortable with, things that they kind of want to be like, you can be alluded to, but not explicit about and things that definitely won't be included in the game. And it's just a, a super clear way of doing it. And it lists a lot of great things that people may not think of right off the top of their head. There's also another one that's a like a Google form version. If you Google campaign safety and consent checklist, it's actually specific for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, but it shows you uh, if you, you can make a copy of it. There's not like a good URL for it. It's just one that like has been passed around through like the <laughs> lore of the internet and gamers. Um, <laughs> but you can go find that one if you Google it. It's the top um, thing on on uh, Googling. And you can make a copy of it and, and customize it for your campaign. And that's a really cool way of doing it because as on the GM, you get kind of the back end of things. And then the other thing is the TTRPG safety toolkit, which is bit.ly slash TTRPG safety toolkit. And that just has a whole Google Drive folder of different resources of safety tools and different things you you can use for your session zero. It's all available for free. And one of the coolest things about that is it's all credited. So all the people who invented those specific safety tools are all listed in that folder. So you know exactly who is making your game safer. So that's a fantastic list. I'm glad you included that. Thank you. 
Jared, any advice for anybody that's running a session zero that you would that you have either encountered and stumbled upon or think it's really important that that they tackle that they may not be thinking about? I, I honestly I think you know, listening to people have their best practices is great, but also, like I said, you know, way back at the beginning, write it, write out an outline, just like you would a regular game session, just so that you don't, it's really easy to forget, oh man, I wanted to ask them about, you know, you know, about this thing or that thing, or I wanted to nail down this. And if you have that outline, you can go line by line and make sure that you have all that information. And on top of that outline, have your bullet points of what you absolutely need by the time you leave. Like, you know, if you want, if you want to know, if you absolutely want to know what people are playing, what time you're going to be playing, how often you're going to be playing, just make those bullet points and know I have to have this information before we finish this session. Kimmy, I'll go to you next. Uh, I would say just as a GM, go into it with an open mind. A lot of times we go into a campaign that we've been like prepping and thinking about with a set idea. And sometimes in session zero, it can be revealed that your players are not as interested in that. Or maybe one of the big monsters you were going to have is an eel monster and eels are on their lion's list. So just, you know, be ready to be malleable a little bit. Um, and don't, if they X something or if they don't want to go in the direction you were going, be ready to, to change. And don't take that as like an affront or like a personal criticism. Just like, okay, cool. We're going to tell a different story than I had planned, and that's cool. I think the thing that I will say is that um, even when you've been playing with the same people for a really long time, it's still worth it to have some kind of discussion before you start playing. And I think that's a place that um, it's easy to, you know, be like, yeah, we don't need to talk about this. We play all the time. But um, that check-in in that moment to make sure nothing has changed um, and to see what people want to see out of that particular game you're about to play. All great stuff. Thank you so much for everyone being here. I appreciate it. Well, we will have links to each one of the resources, to each one of these individuals and where you can find them online in the show notes. So by all means, reach out to them if they're on Twitter and follow them or go to Gnome Stew and read all their great articles or watch their live plays and actual plays and listen to their podcasts. Uh, can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. So this has been another episode of Game Master Mastermind. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, be a positive force in the tabletop RPG hobby. This episode of GM Mastermind, produced with help from the following members of the mind. Eric Salzweedle, Yorkus Rex, John Mahoney, Larry Hout, Craig Shipman, Old School DM, Ghost GM, Ron Bishop, Wayne Peacock, Aaron Relia, Matthew Helsby, Laramie Wall, Farty McButterpants, Harrigan, Hoos Carl, Larry Hollis, Polish Ogre, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Merkel Froelich, Zagrave, and Joe Swick. Thanks for your continued support. I appreciate it. Since we're just starting out, do me a favor. Let somebody know about the podcast. Have them subscribe. It goes a long ways. Thanks, and we'll catch you on the next one.